Hello, you're listening to the Sydney Writers' Centre podcast on writers and writing. My name is Valerie Koo and you can find us online at sydneywriterscentre.com.au. We're Australia's leading writing centre and you'll find a wealth of resources on our website and blog, including interviews with authors, writing tips and valuable ideas on how to get published. Whether you're interested in writing a novel, short story or articles for magazines, you'll find information and courses to help you get there. Or if you want to hone your business writing skills, we can help you too. Our presenters are the best in the industry. We hope you enjoy today's podcast. Today we're talking to author Tristan Banks. Tristan's latest book, The Rules of Cool, was launched at the Byron Bay Writers' Festival and he's already working on the second book in the Max Slater Cool Hunter series called Max Slater Cool Hunter 2, I Heart New York. A former actor on the iconic Australian series Home and Away, he entered the world of writing after he left the series, successfully being published in magazines and working in the world of film. However, this is not his first foray into writing books. Tristan has also written two series of books called Dream Races, about go-kart racing, and Hollywood or Bust, about making movies, and he wants to inspire and influence young teens. Tristan, thanks for talking to us today. No worries. Now, you've been writing for quite some time now. Tell us, when did you start writing and what inspired you to do that in the first place? I think, I can't really remember when I began, but I don't have any memory of not writing. I think when I was sort of six or seven, I remember sort of jotting, you know, to-do lists for myself on this um, whiteboard thing I had in my room, and I'd, um, I like to organise myself that way, and I um, sort of wrote plays and skits and things um, for school when I was when I was quite young. Um, I've, I've got a pretty bad short-term memory, so I think it always just made sense to me. So I'd always lose ideas if I if I didn't jot them down. Um, yeah, so when I was a teenager, I used to write um, a sort of scenes for horror movies. We were obsessed with Stephen King and kind of, uh, you know, lots of horror movies. So we'd write horror movie scenes and shoot them on a, a video camera that we'd bought, me and Lovely. a couple of friends. Yeah, yeah. but we, know, we never actually finished anything because it was sort of, you know, uh, video camera to VHS player in those days, so you didn't quite um, have the same facilities you do now. Mm. Um, but yeah, I've I've just always written. I sort of wrote wrote a lot of magazine articles um, once I was out of school on TV and film industry stuff, mm-hmm. um, and then I've written short films and now and now novels. So was it ever a choice? Because a lot of people know you from your acting on shows like Home and Away. Did you have a make a choice? Have to make a choice between writing and acting? Not really. I think they're a really good um, compliment, and I don't think I ever necessarily aspired to be a writer. It was always just the thing I did alongside everything else. If I was acting or, or presenting stuff um, or uh, making films, the writing always just seemed to be a thing that happened alongside it. Yeah, and it's sure. only you know over over time that it's emerged as the thing that I that I do every day kind of thing. So, what gave you the idea for your latest book? Um. I had read a book, I, I had read an article online um, called The Cool Hunt by a guy called Malcolm Gladwell mm-hmm. and it was about, I'd heard about cool hunting and I was led to this site somehow um, and it just sounded like a really cool job, um, cool, hunting cool and uh, basically finding stuff that you love and, uh, and sharing it with other people, um, finding little emerging trends that are happening in society that other people might not have put their finger on yet and then, you know, sharing them with people. Mm. So 
I, yeah, that just it was quite inspiring. And I thought, well, there seems to be lots of potential drama and action in that for, um, you know, for, for a sort of young adult kind of audience. Mm. So I explored it a bit more. There's a great PBS documentary that's online as well uh, called The Merchants of Cool about cool hunting. And it seemed like there's a bit of a dark side to cool hunting too. Um, you know, getting teenagers basically to help marketing companies to market stuff back to kids. So mm. I sort of liked that dark side of it as well. Mm-hmm. And it's called Max Slater, Cool Hunter. Where, where did the uh, name Max Slater come from? Um, Max Slater. I think Mac I stole from another story I'd been working on. I sort of feel sorry for the stories that I've sort of half written because they get cannibalised. Yes. Um, by, you know, by whatever I'm, I'm writing next. Um, Mac and then Slater. I actually have a friend called Mark Slater as well, so I ah. think I, um, I always liked his last name and, yeah, gave it a bit of a twist. Oh, it's very cool. <laughs> yeah. Now, you've written two series of short books called Hollywood or Bust and Dream Races, one about making movies and the other about go-kart racing. Now, you say that on your website that when you watch sports on TV, you want to get involved and that you hope these books would have the same kind of effect on readers. Have you received any feedback from your readers whether this has actually happened? Yeah, one thing that I hear is that the books read really quickly. They make you turn the pages quite quickly, and um, <clears throat> which is something that I sort of actively work towards. And also, a bunch of people on the Max Slater books, anyway, have said that they want um, they want a flying bike. Um, on, and on a few of the teen reviews that I've that I've read, um, they said they really want this flying bike because Max, right. Max an inventor and he's creating stuff. Um, during it, so I'm really hoping that that'll then inspire um, people, you know, who are reading the books to go out and do their own stuff to create their own stuff. Great. Um, yeah. You've got a pretty varied uh, career at the moment. So, can you describe your typical working day? Um, yeah. I mean, like most people say, it sort of it does vary a lot depending on what I'm working on. But mm-hmm. this is what I try to do anyway. I. Um, I wake up around six or so, and by eight, I'm sitting down with a cup of green tea in my Buzz Lightyear mug, <laughs> um, and I it sort of takes a little while to settle down. Um, I sort of need to write from a bit of a calm place, and then you know find the energy within that. So I sort of might read a little bit for for fifteen minutes or something, or I try not to go near email, but sometimes I sort of get sucked into that vortex, and just mm. because I can't you know get my head calm enough to start writing um, or sometimes I'll just start free writing and blurk a bunch of stuff down mm-hmm. but um, but I'll usually write from 8 till 12 then I have lunch um, for about half an hour and then I can't really work in the middle of the day so I do email and any sort of book publicity stuff until about 2 um, and I might have a film project on the go too so I'll you know I'll, I might do a bit of work on that and then from 2 till 4 I'll get back to that main book project that I've been working on um, so I'll probably, I try to write sort of those six hours a day and then the other couple of hours, you know, doing the other bits. That's very disciplined. Well, yeah, but I figure, uh, I, I don't think I'd get anything done if I sort of waited for inspiration to strike, <laughs> you know. And um, I don't know, I, I, I like that discipline. I like that thing of showing up and, and seeing what happens and pushing through, you know, all the anguish of not knowing what to write. mm Mm. And it's essential, really, as a writer, isn't it? If you don't have that discipline, then basically stuff isn't going to come out. Yeah, and I think it would be really hard to try and 
um, make a living as a writer too, unless unless you just show up like everyone else does at their job. And some people, you know, a builder might build something inspired one day and then you know do something dodgy the next day. But you know, they're still showing up every day. They don't only build on the days when they feel inspired to do so. Sure, good analogy. Now you're working on the next book in your Rules of Cool series, where Mac goes to New York. Why have you picked New York? Um, I just love New York. For some reason, I'm really obsessed with the place. I love any movies set in New York. Um, I went to—I've only been to New York once for about ten days, and uh, but I just have such good memories of the city. And um, I figured for cool hunting, I was thinking, should I pick some, you know, a, a, an emerging cool city to mm. set the next book in? Um, but I just reckon New York's just that perennially cool city that. Um, yeah, I just don't think it's ever going to lose its cool. Mm. Um, so yeah, I was just I've got I've got lots of books on New York as well too, and I'm often um, looking through these books and just just looking at images of New York um, gets me excited. So I knew that I was going to be able to stay with this idea and you know hopefully write and you know an inspired story. Mm-hmm. And also, it gives you an excuse to go to New York on a regular exactly. basis. <laughs> Good research. Yeah. Why? Do, yeah. What do you enjoy most about writing for young adults? Um, I think it's fun. I like showing up um, at the laptop and uh, writing writing is stuff that that really excites me. Um, I think it's a, yeah, it's a fun audience to write for. Uh, I like being in that playful headspace, and I have really good memories of being in sort of late primary, early high school. That was a, you know, in terms of childhood, I have great memories of that. You have a bit of freedom. Um, you're on the edge of something, but you're not, you know, uh, fully, uh, you know, you're not an adult yet, but you're not quite a child. Mm. Um, and I've always made stuff for a young audience. I've, you know, presented shows in the UK for for a young audience. Um, and I find that you can explore um, a lot of stuff that you'd explore in an adult book, but you just change the slant and mm. the, the way that you explore it. Um, so you probably make it more active, less talky, less about internal thoughts and more, you know, more about um, an action-oriented storytelling mode. Right. Well, that's that's how I approach it anyway. Well, how do you get into that headspace, though? Because obviously you're an adult. So how do you get yourself into the headspace of, you know, a young adult? Um, I guess I try to... I try to uh, the web is a great thing. Mm. So I try to sort of read as much as I can, stay up on as much technology as I can, um, talk to talk to kids. I've got next door neighbours who are who are sort of around the age of um, people that I have in mind when I'm writing. Mm. Um, I uh, go to schools and talk and, you know, little fragments of conversation might end up being um, being nabbed for a for a scene in the book. So yeah, I do I do spend time um, trying to hang out um, in that headspace and and not only draw on my own ideas of what it was like um, being that age or being <clears throat> being a teenager, but you know also what it's like now and what the differences are. Mm. And I understand that you're also developing teachers' notes to go along with Max Slater, Cool Hunter. So, what kind of issues are you hoping to get across through these books? Um, I think ideas on consumerism and that stuff, yeah, how you how you approach consumerism. I think there's so much stimulation from so many different places for for, you know, teenagers and kids and adults that you've sort of got to sort it out in your head how you're going to maintain a sense of yourself while having all this stuff thrown at you. Mm. So I think that's an ongoing thing. I someone I've read somewhere, I'm not too sure where, 
a definition of marketing that it was um, feeding the poop back to the diners faster, so fast that they can't recognise that it's not real food, something <laughs> like that. So they're just, you know, the machine is just churning stuff back in, and you're and you're consuming it so fast that you don't realise that this isn't kind of good for you. It's yeah. not nourishing the stuff that you're being fed. Mm. So I kind of like exploring those kind of issues within, um, yeah, within the books. And Max uh, uh, comes from a total non-consumerist background too, hippie parents who are, you know, fire twirlers and um, a lightning farmer. Mm. So he, yeah, he, these cool hunter guys see that he has something to, original to say and in a way they want to exploit what he has to say. Mm. So I guess it, it's him trying to negotiate that, um, that ground all the time and stay true to, to who he actually is. Um, and I also think another big issue in it for me is um, creativity and innovation. Mm. Um, sometimes I think as you get older, you can be you can lose all that um, creative play and it can suck all the innovation out of you. But I've been reading stuff about um, the idea that creativity and originality is going to be the most valuable currency in the workplace in, in coming decades. Mm. That, you know, in order to stand out, that ability to sort of find your own way through and not just... Be you know on the peak of what's um, what's fed to you is yeah is going to be hugely valuable. And apart from writing for young adults, what other age groups are you writing in that you enjoy? Um, I yeah I mean I'm at the moment I'm mainly I'm mainly writing for young adults. Mm-hmm. I yeah I have written um, I have written for adults short film stuff and short film adaptations. Mm. Um, but yeah, predominantly that age group at the moment, I'm just sort of, yeah, spending time enjoying doing that. It's certainly keeping you busy. Yeah. Yeah, it is. There seems to be lots of action, you know, every day there's some new, new development and interesting thing that happens. And yeah, I'm just, I'm really happy to be, to be writing for that age group at the moment. So tell us a bit about, uh, the project you're involved in, Change the World in Five Minutes Every Day at School. What's that all about and how did it start? Um, it started, I got a book for Christmas called Change the World for 10 bucks. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was 50 really simple, doable ideas on world-changing stuff. Um, I think, like lots of people, I'd been in that position of thinking, well, I want to do something um, active and like I'm contributing, but I don't really know what to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the problem seems so big and all that sort of stuff. So um, this book just has small doable actions so that you sort of feel empowered as though you are actually making some kind of difference to other people's lives. Um, And it's not just environmental stuff. It's sort of just about being a good human, you know, taking care of the people around you, making, thanking people, um, Mm. you know, reaching out to people to let them know that they've um, helped you in some way. Um, So I, I made them a sponsor for, the go-kart team in the um, in the Dream Races books that I was writing. Right. Um, we we are what we do. The the organisation that brings out this book just to <clears throat> bring some kind of awareness to what they were doing. Um, and I and I did this course on activism and work, how you can meld your beliefs and your work. Mm-hmm. So and then and then this this film project came along and and I applied and and got some of the money from from SBS to make make the film. Great. Um, yeah, and it's and it's basically the first five minutes of school every day, um, spending spending those five minutes doing something positive for the world. And where's that film at? Is it being distributed? Where where? What's the situation with it? 
Um, it's on the web. It was um, SBS dipping their toe into web stuff and mm-hmm. um, distributing things on the web. Um, so, yeah, it's actually it's on my um, YouTube um, channel, youtube.com slash Tristan Banks. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also it's also at SPS if you go you know Google SPS and change the world in five minutes. Um, yeah, the films are on there too, and there's a whole um, community around them where other people are contributing films as well. Great, you obviously got your toes dipped in all sorts of new media. Um, apart from that, tell us a bit about what other work you're doing in you know the film industry these days. Well, I've sort of been trying to push the filmmaking stuff that I'm doing towards the audience that I'm writing my book for. So yeah. um, I'm, there's another series that I'm um, writing uh, that's, that that's, looks like it might be an animation. So there's a producer who's, um, who's develop, I'm developing that with, and I'll write and, and she'll produce. Mm-hmm. Um, and also a book um, based on a, a story by a writer, David Metzenson, um, called The Really, Really High Diving Tower. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been, yeah, working that up into the script over the last um, oh, year or so. So, yeah, I'm just sort of trying to meld um, meld my filmmaking stuff with my writing as much as I can so mm. the, the two worlds collide. Mm-mm. And so Max Slater Cool Hunter was launched at the Byron Bay Writers' Festival in July 2008. I know it's early days, but what's been the response to the book so far? It's been really good. Um, I know it's my job to say that, but uh, <laughs> but it has been. And you don't you get scared, especially by um, oh the sort of more literary establishment um, published publications like Magpies, which is yes. You know, literary journal for you know for for schools and things, yeah. and they actually gave it a really good review, which was good. And um, because it's you know it's popular fiction, I I feared that they wouldn't. Mm. Um, and yeah, just across the board, I've been really happy with the response, and um, I've sort of had lots of support um, from the publisher. And yeah, I've been I've been really happy. I, I mean, I hope we can get it out there. It's always that fear that yeah, people might like it. But no one ever might hear um, hear that it exists. So you know, it'd be great if we can um, get it out there in the world, and you know, and hopefully lots of people enjoy it and get inspired by it. I'm sure lots of people are going to hear it exists. <laughs> um, yeah. Well. Yeah. Uh, so now that that's been launched and you've got you know this hurdle out of the way, basically. You must be thinking, well, what am I concentrating all my time on? You know, because you've been spending all this time writing it and editing it and getting it ready to launch. Now that it's been launched, what's your next big thing that you're sinking your teeth into? Well, I'm just editing the second book now and Mm -hmm. um, I'm playing around with the ending of the second book. Um, And then there's a young adult novel that's been um, picked up that I've been writing with um, a writer in L.A., and so she writes a chapter, and then I write a chapter, and then she writes a chapter, and I write a chapter. Huh. So, yeah, so that's been good. What's that process been like? I mean, because you would have potentially different voices and different ideas. How, how has that worked? Well, it's really good on the first draft because it's really spontaneous, and you get it. It's basically these characters writing um, to one another. Mm. And. Uh, you know, when you receive a response overnight, because you know they're on a different time, um, yeah, a different time frame to us, I then could write in a really gut way, respond to that email and send it off, and then she responds really quickly and gets it back to me. So, on that first draft, it's this total free written, exciting, um, you know, discovery, and it's just it's tough when you're rewriting though, mm. because 
you can't just make a decision because every decision that you make then impacts on what the next person responds to you with. Of course. So, yeah, so it's a bit of a dance trying to work out how to, especially when you're on other sides, opposite sides of the world, how to, um, yeah, how to negotiate the rewriting process. But um, fun, yeah. How did the idea come about? Um, it was um, Tempany, the, the other writer. I'd been working with her. I worked with her on Home and Away and she'd been writing. Oh, Tempany Deckett. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she'd been writing for teens as well and, and, and children and teen stuff. And she just said, look, wouldn't it be fun if we wrote something together? And we said, okay, well, you choose a character and I'll choose a character and maybe they'll be writing to each other as part of a school assignment. And, um, yeah, and we went, we went from there and we, it just evolved. And, yeah, it's, it's, really, uh, it's a really interesting thing. Again, it touches on kind of new media stuff and uses um, aspects of the web and, um, you know, video and, and photos and all that sort of stuff too. Speaking of new media, how important do you think it is to, you know, when you're an author these days, to integrate with other bits of new media as opposed to just having a traditional paper book? Um, I I think it's really important. I'm not sure because there's no concrete evidence of what, how much um, difference it makes in terms of getting it out to people. Um, I don't know that everyone is totally convinced, but I, I think it's worth diving into. I really reckon, um, considering how much time um, particular, or everybody, but particularly um, teens and young people are spending on the web and how much time they're reading each day, it'd be fantastic to be able to tap the power of the web to bring, um, bring people to reading in new ways. Mm. So, yeah, I, really, I get excited about the possibilities of what could be. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, you know, over the coming years going to be exploring it and trying to push push boundaries and, you know, get um, a publisher. I know that they're very excited about, you know, about doing new stuff as well. Are you ever concerned that, in fact, it's competition to the written word? Um, or do you think it complements uh, it? Well, at the moment, I don't think there's that. I mean, I certainly don't feel like reading a novel on a computer screen. I don't think there's that many people that would. But mm. then there's things like Amazon Kindle and other devices that are coming out that are going to make you know the screen a bit more bookish. Mm. So I think that's when it'll probably become more of a threat. And then things like um, sharing, file sharing, and things will become more of an issue. Right. Um, but no, I mean, I think I think no, we've got to go forth. I think we've got to embrace it and wrestle with it, just like the music industry is, yeah. and, and find out the new ways that we, you know, that we get get books to people. And finally, what advice would you give other writers to help make the writing process easier for them? I think that thing, uh, waking up and writing, even when it's when you don't feel like it, is really important. Definitely. Um, there was a quote, I think, from Stephen King who said, when you read back your work, there's often no difference in the quality of the writing on a day when you felt terrible about the writing than a day when you really felt like you wrote genius stuff. Mm. So, And I think that's true. I think you do just force yourself through, and you might be feeling different within yourself, but actually the writing can come out you know, just as sparkling as, on, as when you're feeling totally juiced and inspired. Mm. So I'm, I'm from that school of not waiting for inspiration to strike, but just getting in there and doing it. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah. So that'll be that'll be my kind of key advice. Okay. Well, thanks for talking to us today, Tristan, and best of luck with the book. No worries. Thanks a lot. 
You've been listening to the Sydney Writers' Centre podcast on writers and writing. My name's Valerie Koo. You can find us online at sydneywriterscentre.com.au or on my personal website, valeriekoo.com. That's Valerie, K-H-O-O.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs>